Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Irish on Tap. This evening, we're going to recap this past weekend's game. It was another Notre Dame victory. A little bit of a blowout, 45-24, to 24, but the scoreboard does not tell the entire story of that game. It was a little bit of a slow start, but before we get into that, Ethan, how you doing today, brother? I'm doing good. Uh, it's tough to see the football season end. We got one more big game with the bowl game coming up. Uh, it's good to finish the season strong on a high note against Stanford. Um Excited to see who we get to uh, match up with in the bowl game. We've heard of different teams. We've seen Texas, Oklahoma State. I saw Iowa State today. Um, but we got a big weekend of college football to to watch here and see what happens. Uh, we ended up, what, 15th today in the college football rankings. So hopefully uh, with some changes this weekend we can move up. But I'm ready to get back into the Irish football after a big weekend. Yeah, and, you know, with the championship games being this weekend, there is an opportunity for us to move up a couple slots. I haven't really seen much love uh, since that blowout loss to Michigan. But one thing I wanted to get into uh, before we get into the game recap of this past weekend's game against Stanford is uh, former Notre Dame running back George Atkinson, Atkinson III, has been pronounced dead at the age of 27. And, Ethan, this is someone that we both saw, you know, Within the past 10 years here at Notre Dame, you've been watching since, you know, I think you were about five, six years old. I think I was maybe eight, nine years old. And this was one of those guys that was electric at Notre Dame. He had stints in the NFL, you know, with the Raiders and the Bengals. And in certain preseasons and points in his career, with him being a Notre Dame guy, I'd, you know, I'd see his name pop up across my screen in the stat line that, you know, some of the numbers that I would see at Notre Dame, and I'm wondering why he's not getting more opportunities so in the news, there was no additional details about his death, but I did read in one article, um, not to speculate that, you know, George was depressed due to the, you know, passing of brother Josh Atkinson, who also played running back at Notre Dame, which was about a year ago. So sad news for the Notre Dame family, sad news to the Atkinson family. Our thoughts and prayers are out to you. Um, but yeah, with that being said, it is definitely sad news, um, and, you know, we're going to get moving forward into some positive news into the Stanford game. Uh, like we said, it was a 45-24 to 24 victory, our first victory in Palo Alto uh, since 2007. So, Ethan, we were together. I actually had a Saturday off work. I know I've had a lot of Saturdays off work uh, since I switched locations at my job. But we were not in the stands this week. It was a little bit of a gloomy Saturday. Uh, state championships were going on in our backyard. But we were locked in for this game on Saturday. We thought we were going to come out guns blazing. This was ridiculous the way we started this game, considering how we've been playing lately. Where were you at, um, you know, mentally at the beginning of this game when Stanford's offense, you know, I haven't seen them play like this all year. They were, play, you know, seeming pretty unstoppable in the beginning of that game. Well, it was interesting. Obviously, we played really well at home for the last two weeks. Um, you know, you touched on it. We hadn't won in Palo Alto in a long time. So um, the slow start didn't surprise me all that much um i've talked about how inconsistent we've been on the road and um you know it's unfortunate but we were we were able to pick it up uh you know scoring a a a touchdown in the first quarter with tony jones uh ian book my guy four touchdowns i believe yes four touchdowns 255 so didn't get the uh, 300 for three but we got the four touchdowns so uh yeah ian book i mean i can't anything more about him 
Yeah, and one thing, too, that was brought up by the guys on the call for the game, I don't remember exactly who it was, but they were speaking of the absence of Chase Claypool in that first half, and, and I think the offense was a little bit hesitant. They were moving the ball they wanted to. The Stanford defense was showing a bunch of different fronts, but the play of the game made by a guy that they didn't really think, you know, they wanted to redshirt him this year. It was talked about last week on the podcast and through a lot of different news sources. I think he shouted out Pete Sampson uh, last week, who it was. But Isaiah Foskey, with the punt block that set up the first drive to score a touchdown, and then later we stop, we get the ball back before the end of the half, and Ian just unloads a bomb to Chase Claypool. Beautiful pass, beautiful catch. Poetry in motion, even that had to be on your Mount Rushmore of Ian Book plays. It's up there. Uh, I definitely will always remember the Navy game a few weeks back. Uh, he threw the ball to Braden Lindsay. That was that was one of that was probably number one for me. Uh, if not, um, can't count out the Virginia Tech run as number one. But it's just good to see. You know, we we didn't see as much consistency from Book in the first half of the season. He went through the slump there in middle to end of the season, but has really just broken out of his shell uh, the last couple of weeks. And uh, it gets me excited to see what he can bring to the table in the bowl game. If he comes back next season, obviously we've talked about it. I want him back next year. Um, just goes to show that if we can bring the confidence into the bowl game and into next season, this team could be could be dangerous. That's my thing. It's like, shit, bro, slow down. Now you're playing good enough to where I think you can get drafted this year. Like, we want you back. Let's work another year. I think if he, hey, call me crazy. First time you're going to hear it. This is this is my hottest take of the entire season. If Ian Book comes back next year, put your money on him to win the Heisman. Flat out. Uh, Ethan, I, will, I will. Well, I have to put money on that because he's my guy. But well, uh, yeah, he's. This is just consensus. I I think the way he's firing on all cylinders right now. Give him another off season to work maybe work with a quarterback coach outside of the program, come back. I think he is going to have a phenomenal year next year if he comes back. And even if he goes to the pros, I don't think he'll he'll get an opportunity right away, but he'll be someone that will be able to grow, um, hopefully under a quality veteran quarterback. I agree. I think, and we'll touch on it later because we're still you know working on this season, but there's a lot of favorable opponents on this Notre Dame schedule next season. Uh, we do see Clemson, so it does give Ian Book the opportunity to win a big time game. Um, but first, we got to focus on the bowl game. You know, it's a it's a huge game for us. I think that, you know, if you can handily beat the team you play in the bowl game, uh, I think this team definitely should be a top ten team next season. So I think this is uh, an important game for Notre Dame, not only because it's a bowl game, but just for the future in itself. Um, you know, for future rankings as well as recruits. So, um, like I said, I'm excited to see who we get. Um, we've talked about the personal reasons we want Texas. I think that'd be a good matchup. Don't think it's going to happen with the loss that they had on Saturday. Um, Iowa State does intrigue me. I said in the beginning this that was a uh, a matchup, but um, we, we took care of Stanford. We kind of knew it was going to happen. Uh, the slow start wasn't favorable, but we showed what kind of team we are. We battled back and uh, took them down. Yeah, and I was going to say the defense did really show resiliency uh, in that second quarter, especially on that drive right before we got the ball back to, you know, for that Ian Book to Claypool connection on the touchdown. The defense, it's important to say 
um, the hustle, the tenacity, the way they're all flying to the ball. I actually saw something on Twitter earlier um, this afternoon basically saying, you know, I, I don't know if you recall, but I think it was mid-second quarter. I, I had saw it on Twitter this afternoon when I was scrolling. It was made by Justin Adamilola. Out there on the goal line, I apologize. I'm not the name guy over here. If I got it right or I got it wrong, we'll get to it after this. But a tackle was made. Obviously, it was first and goal, I believe, from the one. Notre Dame goes on to stop and hold Stanford to a field goal. That's big. They were not stopping that Stanford offense, and they were showing them a bunch of different looks on the offensive side of the ball. And, you know, you had brought it up before the game. Estella wasn't even playing. So we even had a backup in there. I don't know. This is like backup season in the pros, in college. Everywhere is playing a backup. I had mentioned it on Bears on tap. We played David Blah. I, I don't care about names at this point. You know, we played him this week. He, in the Bear game on Thanksgiving, almost ruined Thanksgiving. But this, this just goes to show you, you know, and we bring it up all the time with having Phil backing up Ian, where we know if he steps in, he may not be playing at the level of Ian Book. It's definitely complimentary football to where we, we can still run our offense. And I think you saw that with Stanford this week. And I don't think we expected to get punched in the mouth right away. And then that was something that surprised me to that. You know, where were you at on that, Ethan? Uh, well, first, I want to touch on what you said about the defense. Uh, I want to shout out Khalid Kareem uh, with his fumble return for a touchdown against Stanford. Uh, Notre Dame set the record for fumble return touchdowns in a season with three. So, um, you know, we, the, the defense is full of playmakers uh, from the secondary to the defensive line. Um, we've talked about it for weeks now just how much the linebacking core has improved over the season um but yeah i mean this defense this i mean it's a dangerous defense you know, we've we've showed it the last few weeks um i think going forward uh, brian kelly's always had a, a, a relatively decent defense you know i feel like we never got the offense down for a couple of years even the national championship year i mean you look at who was on the defense for that so uh, hopefully we can keep it up going down the road um but just goes to show that that defense is it's tough. Yeah, absolutely. And to make the proper shout out, it was Matt Freeman on Twitter. He's the one who posted the Adam Alolo video, and Isaiah Foskey actually made the tackle. First quarter, it was when we were able to hold Stanford to only field goal. They were up ten seven after the possession. But defense, even late in the game, Khalid Cream getting you know getting a late sack you know touchdown. That's great. He is going to be someone along with Julian Aquara and now Chase Claypool that we're starting to see in the, you know, in the mock drafts pretty high. I think we have another quality class of players coming out as usual at Notre Dame. And, you know, we'll get into Notre Dame in the NFL later in the episode, but it was another quality week at the next level. Uh, you saw guys like Kyle Rudolph make another one-handed catch last night. So this is a school, um, and, you know, we alluded to it on Twitter. This is a school that recruits well. We are coached well. We are just in that second tier. And, and you know we're not okay with it. It's not okay. But what are we going to do? We've lost two games this season. You know, our hands are tied. All we can do right now is control the controllables, win the football games that are ahead of us, prepare who we are going to bring back next year, and get the recruits ready for next season, and let's rock. Like you said, Ethan, we got one game left. It's the bowl game. Whatever, whether it's the Camping World Bowl or whatever bowl game that we end up getting, 
whoever ends up on our schedule, we're going to give them half for 60 minutes and let's get ready for this, you know, for the blue gold game. That's my thoughts on it. And, and I mean, the slow start in Stanford, that's okay. But you had to figure this team was eventually going to get off the roll we're on. Ever since the Duke game, this team has not batted. And, you know, the defense has been firing on all cylinders. Ian Book has looked better than he has, you know, in his entire time at Notre Dame. Chase Claypool has elevated his game. Lindsey has elevated his game. Fink, everybody across the board on the offense. We even saw Tommy Tremble. You know, he's getting involved week in and week out. Not as much as Cole Komet, but this Notre Dame offense is tight end heavy. I'll say it to anyone, Ethan, I know you're about to take the words from my mouth, but this is tight end university. I fully expect Komet and Tremble. I'm not, you know, not sold on Brock Wright, but Komet and Tremble, when it's all said and done, we'll be, we'll be rocking NFL jerseys on Sunday. I agree. I think we can't really discredit Brock Wright. I think he's just been that the short end of the stick kind of guy with the fact that you, you have Cole Komet and Tommy Tremble both producing uh, very well. So um, I want to, while we're touching on the offense, I do want, I think you sent me this, um, whether it was Saturday or Sunday, um, only two players in the country have 2,500 passing yards, 500 rushing yards, and 30 passing touchdowns. Jalen Hurts and Ian Book in the last three years. Only Kyler Murray, JT Barrett, and Derek King have reached those numbers. So, uh, I guess I'll yeah, pose the question. Yeah, Derek King, that's a, that's a kid from Houston, right? Uh, yes. But okay. I want to pose the Go question ahead. to you. Beginning of the year, do you think we bring up this stat at this time? No. And, and, I mean, one of the things that we saw this year uh, is Ian Book's ability to tough and run. He's a tough son of a bitch. If I'm a linebacker or a safety and I see – and we've talked about it all year. Get out of bounds, Ian. Go down, Ian. Slide. Don't be taking on defenders full speed. But he does it. And, you know, I'm proud of the way he played this year. Like we've stated on this podcast several times, I'll say it to blue in the face – or until we get a noise complaint from our neighbors. Ebook is someone that I would like to see in a, in a Notre Dame jersey next year. But it's in his best interest, and he feels he's ready to get drafted. Go ahead and get drafted. But going into this bowl game right now, I feel bad for anyone going, you know, who's playing against our team. If we were in a conference, I'd be confident in whoever the hell we were playing for that title right now. This is a team that's fired on all cylinders. And if you look at the way we played all season – if we're playing like this for the Michigan game or the Georgia game, I say you'd be looking at another 12-0 regular season for Notre Dame. Oh, yeah, you're in the playoffs. If you get this stretch of games, like you said, around you know early in the season against Georgia and Michigan. And this is the time This is the time to get hot in college football. It, 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 and I it, think It's I awesome think... to see, but it pains me that it's not for the ultimate prize. But, it, you know, it is what it is. We can't control that shit at this point. The tough thing is, too, is that I think we still get in with a Michigan win, just the way things have set up. And, um, you know, Georgia's ultimately going to end up losing the SEC championship. So, um, yeah. Yeah, and they with, are going to be killed this weekend. Their the, offense the Pac, just doesn't the, produce the way they should. The The Pac-12 would kind of hurt us in that aspect. But, um, yeah, I, it would have been interesting. It's unfortunate that the season ended to Michigan, uh, a team that just got ran by Ohio State on Saturday, uh, by the way. But, yeah, like you said, I mean, if you, if you saw this team from the the last drive of the Virginia Tech game till now, I mean, this team's undefeated, no doubt. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and my thing is, is like, all right, you could be the generic football guy and go, oh, Notre Dame lost to Michigan by 30, Michigan lost to Ohio State by 20, Notre Dame would get killed by Ohio State. If you put the Notre Dame team that has been playing the last few weeks out there against Ohio State, say we play Ohio State last week, you know, maybe not last week because last week we didn't play up to par, but substitute out maybe the Boston College or the Navy performance against a team like Ohio State, we're going to give them a game. I, I mean, think, I think, yeah, I think, I think the, this was a team, the team can be defined this year, not defined, but inopportunistic. So they played down to their opponents or below the level that they, and we know their, cal- their caliber to be in inopportunistic times, i.e. the Georgia game and the Michigan game. Because we have seen a team that since those, I would say since that Virginia Tech game has played pretty flawless. I agree. I agree, hundred percent. I mean, I think that if, I mean, if it came down to today, Notre Dame at four, Ohio State at one, I think it's a much better game than what we saw against Clemson last year. I think with the time off that they would have gotten, uh, obviously the injured defense doesn't or wouldn't have helped us in that situation. But obviously, we still get some time off now. Uh, I would have been really interested to see what that matchup would have been like because. We've been able to stop the running quarterbacks. Justin Fields can run the ball. He's got a cannon for an arm, too. But with our secondary, I mean, I, I think it would have been a much better game than what we saw against Clemson yeah. in the playoffs. And my, and my thing is, too, is, and, you know, we had beaten it from the Irish on Tap account. Brian Mishler, one of our, you know, our coworkers here with the Irish on Tap division, he tweeted it out. He said only teams have 10-plus wins the last three years. Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Alabama. Georgia, Ohio State, and Clemson. And I don't know. I, I actually spent the time to look through this thread uh, on Twitter today and look through all the comments and all the crazy shit and all the Notre Dame homers and, and just people just saying wild stuff. I saw. I put it on Facebook, too. And not to discredit anyone or say anyone's opinion isn't relevant, but you just have to look at numbers at this point. Numbers don't lie, and while, yes... I do agree with a lot of people in a sense that Brian Kelly has not won that big game. Ethan, I'm sure you're in the same same mindset with me on that. But Oh yeah, I agree. I mean, what was the last biggest game I think on exactly. the road has have you seen? Exactly. And and you know, that's a thing too. It's like you know, we bring guys like Max Redfield on the podcast and we're talking about you know, we gotta bring up like the Clemson game or the Florida State game where we're right there, we're competing. Florida State game, I'll still say we got robbed. They're frauds. Their program has been in complete dismay the last few years. But at Notre Dame, I think everyone is so stuck on what happened when they were kids. And, you know, the older generation and the generation of Notre Dame fans that came before us is so stuck on what happened in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And the fact of the matter is, is that at Notre Dame, we care about academics. We had 100% graduation rate last year. You know, at you know, and that's not to say that you know there still aren't people that get in trouble like Everett Golson did when he was at Notre Dame. But at Notre Dame, there's a different standard. We're not taking kids that, or you know, young athletes that are not up to the Notre Dame standard. And and, and you see, I'm going to make the argument that you see that talent discrepancy and that sort of difference there in athletics. And you can say with it whatever you want, Ethan. I'm going to give you the floor on this, but I think it's a valid point because at Notre Dame, it's just different. It's not 
your regular state school. It's a private institution. It's they're held to a higher academic standard. And you see even guys, you know, not to not to discredit what guys that go to other schools do after they graduate. But, you know, a lot of the guys that I still follow on Instagram, Twitter or just, you know, through the news and stuff are still doing great things unrelated to football. And that's what makes Notre Dame different. So if you're a fan and you're sitting here and telling me, I just want championships and I don't want these young men to come to our school, become a better football player, become a better man, and succeed in the real world, we don't want you as a part of this fan base. And you can say whatever you want with that, but Ethan, I'm going to give you the floor to take what you want with it. No, I mean, I agree. I think all wins aside, I mean, Brian Kelly does his best to bring in the best you know, athletes, the best students the best men that he can bring into this program. Um, when it comes to, to talent on the field, you know, we don't compete with, with the recruits that Alabama get or that Clemson get. Um, I think we're there for what the area, you know, puts out. We're obviously big in California and Florida, stuff like that. But, you know, I mean, they in, you look at Alabama, you're born in Alabama, you're going to either Alabama or you're going to Auburn. So, you know, I don't think you can compete with that. There's a lot of Midwest schools. There's a lot of schools, you know, up here in the North that are, you know, at Notre Dame's caliber. Some of them aren't. Some of them are definitely more of a football school. But like you said, I mean, we get the best of the best when it comes to, you know, athletics, grades, and just overall, you know, just being a man. And Brian Kelly has done a great job at molding everybody that's come through that locker room in his tenure into great men. Regardless of any past, you know, I mean, like you said, you know, we've seen some guys get into trouble, but, you know, I mean, they're college kids. You and I get in trouble, you know, so, but it's put on a higher scale and it's unfortunate that, you know, the young kids that do make the mistake have to go through it at that stage, but it comes with the price, I guess. I will put a disclaimer out there. We do not get in any more trouble. Probably the two, the two most homebody motherfuckers at Northern Illinois as we sit in here. Doing homework, watching sports, recording right, well, podcasts. You know, our listeners don't need to know that we're as lame as we are. Hey, you got to grind, get after it. We'll be we'll be making big bucks one day off this, hopefully. But <laughs> but you know you know what I mean. I mean I I think it's unfortunate that the athletes that have gotten into trouble do get you know put on a, a higher stage. But you know, I mean, you look at guys like Kevin Austin who you know got into some trouble earlier in the season. Um, you know, but he's been, he's, you know, I read an article earlier in the week that said he's just been working his ass off to get back on the field. And, um, you know, that's, that's the standard at Notre Dame. That's the Brian Kelly method to, you know, discipline his guys, but also get them back out on the field and make them better individuals, better athletes, better students, better people. That's like you said, that's the Notre Dame standard. Yeah. And my thing too, is like, although we did, you know, we did get, embarrassed last year on national television in the playoff this is a team senior class that went through the four and eight season and now they're at three consecutive 10 win seasons and with the college you know with the way that college football is the lack of parity you know it's very top heavy if you're not alabama clemson um ls you know one of these teams that are perennial powerhouses year in and year out the level of talent is, and, and not to discredit any of the guys that we have, but for whatever reason, it is just short of where it needs to be. Um, it, it could be coach, you know, a little bit on the coaching side, 
player side for whatever reason, it, you know, as a team right now, we are just on the breaking point of being on that tier one. And Brian brought it up I, on Twitter. I mean, you could argue that we're in that tier one, but we have to win that big game to really be considered. I, that I was about to say the same thing. I was about to say the same thing. I want to so, bring it back to what you so said. So we're, t- you know, we're tier one, one A or one B. But my thing is, is the lack of that statement win or that big win, and it's not, it's not on anyone on this team. It, you know, it's on Brian Kelly's tenure, and it's something that Charlie Weiss struggled with before him. It's something that just Notre Dame, and and that's what I said to a lot of these people on the internet. I go, you know, Notre Dame not winning the big game was not, you know, that was something that he inherited. That was something that was occurring with Willingham and with Charlie Weiss. Like that was not just something that Brian Kelly, you know, he you know he was winning big games at Cincinnati. He, it's not a Brian Kelly thing. That's just been the narrative, I guess you could say, at Notre Dame over the last twenty or so years. Well, I mean, not to say that that's the best narrative anyway, but you know, I think that obviously it's we, not. We, but factually, we, if looked, you look at it. Well, we've looked to Brian Kelly to change that narrative, and so far he hasn't. And I think that that's the only reason that, you know, his name is thrown on a potential hot seat. I don't think he's. I don't think he's going to get fired anytime soon, unless Notre Dame just collapses in the next few seasons. But, I mean, you, you this guy, you know, he's a good coach. He's been around for a while. It's time to win the big game when it counts. And I mean, I hate to get too ahead of ourselves because. We're still in this season. We still haven't played a bowl game yet, but there are tons of opportunities next season to get that big win. You're talking Navy in Ireland. You're talking Wisconsin at Lambeau Field. That's huge. That attracts, I mean, everybody. And then you got and you got Clemson at home. Clemson at home. That game is already circled in my head. We haven't even finished this season yet. When in the year? When in the year? That, that is. is that it's game? like the third to last game of the year. So you're oh. talking, you're talking cold weather. I was going to say, you're. T- I mean, you're easily talking prime time NBC. Like that place is going to be rocking. Given Notre Dame, obviously, you know, I think they're going to be undefeated going into that game. Personally, if they can, you know, get everything going the right way. Um, like I said, I hate to look too far in advance, but I mean that game's already circled in my head. So, um, but yeah, like you said, I mean, we have to, we have to win the the, the big game. That's what he brought Brian Kelly in for. He's going into his 11th season. It's time. It's it's time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that is one of the most valid points that people bring up when being critical of Kelly. But for me, I'm looking at full body of work. He's constantly producing NFL players. He's constantly producing winning seasons. But here at Notre Dame, and we've said it, we want to be able to be in that conversation and that is something that we have not really been due to the lack of winning that big game. Um, but back to the Stanford game, you know, like we like we had pointed out, you know, this was a, you know, in the second period was 17 to 7. A couple things go our way, like the Isaiah Foss pump block. We were able to punch it in with Tony Jones, and then we get the Claypool touchdown up 20 to 17 at the half. And it was pretty much smooth sailing uh, for the rest of the way there on out. The defense really buckled down in the second half. I think it was a quality performance by them to be able to really kind of, you know, off of a poor or lesser performance in the first half and by the way that they did in the second half, holding Stanford only to seven points in the second half. Yeah, I mean, we touched on it earlier. They they know when they need to turn it up, and I think they did it. 
Uh, we touched on how injury prone the deep or not how injury prone, but you know how the injuries have affected this defense. Um, and they've they've just they've showed how strong they are. They showed how deep they are. Um, when you bring up guys like Isaiah Foskey, who has been held out all season, uh, just to make the, the big time play uh, in what even though Stanford was not the best, but still a rivalry game, still a huge opportunity for him at such a young age to get out there and make a big play like that. Um, just goes to show, like you said, how, how the talent that Brian Kelly brings in, um, it's deep. It's deep. So, Yeah, and absolutely. And, and, and one thing that I've always been a proponent of is special teams match. You get your opportunity to go out on that field, and whether it's for one play or 100 plays, you go balls to the wall like Bo Bauer does every single time he gets out there. Uh, yep, and, I was about to say Bo Bauer, baby. Exactly. And for Isaiah Foskey to go out there, make some plays on defense, make a huge play on special teams in one of his limited games he's allowed to play to retain his redshirt status is absolutely beautiful to see. And that's a testament to the recruiting of our guy, Mr. Brian Kelly. And can to I coaching. Just, and the coaching because he's putting him in the best position to win. I just want to point out, imagine, like, his tape right now. Imagine Isaiah Foskey's, like, highlight tape. I mean, you, you don't have much, but your first highlight tape from the University of Notre Dame is you blocking a punt. Like, come on. that That's pretty kick-ass, in my opinion. Absolutely, and I mean... It's a way to young, get noticed. It, it, you got noticed, kid. Way to go. Young guy, very deep defensive line unit, but... A unit that you can learn a lot from, and when it's your time to shine, I fully expect Mr. Foskey to step in and play a big role over the next few years. Uh, one guy who was all over the field on Saturday, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna skip and give him my defensive player of the game was Mr. Owosu Koromoa. Jeremiah was falling all over the field as he usually does, and I was actually uh, not excited to see, but on the same page as the announcer when they butched his name the first time, bringing it around, which. One is, was one of the many blunders um, from that game on, on on Saturday against Stanford, whether it was the lack of attendance or my personal favorite, their field conditions. Stanford oh, yes. Stanford has got to do better as far as the field condition goes. I understand it was a little rainy, field condi- or you know weather conditions are less than ideal, but two plays, I believe, in the middle of the second quarter. Tony Jones flat out slipped, and, and, and you saw the you know the frustration on his face because he was not able to make simple cuts or, or able to plant his foot in the ground and start running with the football. And one time it ended up being a loss, and the next time Ian Book had to keep it, and I think he was able to get back to at least a line or a yard or two. But two back-to-back broken plays with the 12th man being the grass on the field. I guess that's Stanford's way of, you know, making up for the lack of attendance is just, you know, screwing with the field. But, no, I agree. I mean, you know, us as Bears fans, we talk about, or people talk about how shitty Soldier Field is, and we've seen the the turf monsters at Soldier Field. Um, you know, it was weird, too, that it was right around that midfield logo area. Um, so I'm not sure if it was just maybe that, you know, that one area. But, yeah, the field conditions, uh, not ideal. Uh, especially at a top-notch university like Stanford, um, being out in California and all that too. But uh, yeah, the attendance was not great Saturday. Um, like I said, maybe that's their way of making up for it. I don't know. 
Yeah, just sending sending the tree off to a four and eight record. Yeah, absolutely hate to see it. But uh, we the, able to... the turf the turf at Notre Dame is beautiful. That's all that we care about. What I was gonna say. Like I said, we hold ourselves to a higher standard and you know, that is presentation and field. You guys can keep your cool little helmet stickers like your Proviso East or whatever high school that does that shit. But we wear gold helmets, twenty four karat, our field looks nice, presentation looks nice. We got our own, we got our own T V stand and we put people in the stands, especially for rivalry games, which is one thing we haven't brought up this year. They actually retained all five traveling trophies, which in a season that we're not going to be able to compete for much of anything else, that's something you love to see. Um, but, yeah, wrapping this game up, one thing that I did want to bring up on the offensive side of the ball is, you know, most of the times when we see Lindsey come in motion, we already know what's going to happen. We know he's going to get the end around. And I saw a lot of diversions using Braden Lindsey. And, you know, the announcers were actually showing him a lot of love. And that's that's someone that I think is going to step into that next type of Will Fuller role. But, you know, we're going to give Mr. Lindsey all the credit in the world. We won't compare him to anyone else because he's playing, you know, at his level, um, which is out of his fucking mind, might I add. But fastest player on the team, probably one of the fastest players in college football. And I'm excited to see what they do with the bowl game. And as they use him more in this offense, I only will see the scoreboard go up. And I think you can agree with me on that. I do. I do. I see him fitting well into the, the Chris Fink role, uh, the slot guy, the quick guy. Um, you know, you throw back to the Navy game. You saw Ian Book go deep to him. It's a guy that can just, bur- you know, burn anybody off the line of scrimmage and, uh, you know, send him deep. So, uh, but he's also like, you know, we've seen it before where he's, he's quick out of the, you know, the motion and, and the end around and get outside. And as soon as he gets outside anybody and turns up the sideline, he's gone. So um, the, the best of both worlds. Young guy, um, you know, we talk about Chris Fink being in the Patriots system. I think, uh, you know, he could be a Taylor Gabriel type, quick, you know, young, tiny guy. So, um, like, like you said, I'm excited to see where he fits in the system next year, and especially with what the quarterback looks like next year as well. And I think, too, another year on that, you know, that Notre Dame nutrition program in the weight room, see him add maybe 5, 10 pounds of muscle won't hurt he'll be a little bit bigger a little bit stronger and he's already you know i I like to look at receivers that you know looking at him he's 11 180 he has more of like your slot receiver type but he has that like chip on your shoulder type mentality when he gets his hand on the ball he wants to get to the end zone every time and you see that with the way he runs he's very elusive and very electric especially in space and the way blom has been able to utilize him this year uh, for the most part, has been in space. You see that finishing most of the time in the end zone. So, you know, that being said, as far as this game goes, I think I know who your answer is going to be, but who are your offensive and defensive players of the game? Well, you are correct. It is Ian Book. Again, i got to cherish it while I can in case, uh, you know, something happens. He doesn't come back next season. He probably already – I might as well just put him, you know, as the player of the game for the bowl game too. Um Defensive side of the ball, I got to give it to the freshman Foskey, man. He blocked a punt. That's his tape. You know, I, it wasn't uh, a defensive moment, but, you know, just for him to get out there, you know, he, he gets saved for, you know, one game for the year. You know, that's his Rudy moment. He plays the last game of the season, and, and he gets to dress and uh, and gets to uh, play a big-time 
uh, impact in the game. So I'm going to go with uh, Isaiah Foskey for defense and Ian Book. Yeah, and it, and it should be noted to our our stack guys at ESPN that Isaiah Foskey led the Irish in punt return yards, one punt return for 23 yards on Saturday. Hey, making all the plays out there. So, I mean, we if we can't get a Chris Fink touchdown, give me an Isaiah Foskey touchdown. I'll, I'll take it. I'll gladly accept that. Um, but for me, I had already alluded to it on the defensive side. I'm going with Jeremiah Wosukoromoa. And on the offensive side, actually going to go with Mr. Lindsay. So you may not see it on the box score. You may not see it necessarily in the stats. But the way he played out there on Saturday, and like I said, some of the ways that he was being used as a diversion by Chip Long because, you know, like what, like I said, you know, a lot of defenses, when they see him coming in motion, they are already playing and knowing what's going to happen. And you saw specific opportunities where Lindsey's coming in motion and shit, I'm sitting on my couch like, oh, oh my God, put your seatbelt on. They're about to hit off to him and he's going to go off for the races. Ends up being play action. We still get a positive game. And they did that quite a few times. And then they were able to actually go to the end around at a couple. I think they did it twice this game. One ended up being like a 15-yard gain. And, you know, the other one. Let me see. Yeah, so he had four four carries for forty eight. So he had more than two. Twelve yards. Well, it's good that it's good to know that the play calling uh, can fool even backup linebacker Brandon Suarez on TV. So uh, clearly, Brian Long or Brian, Brian Kelly and Chip Long have done something right. Hey, I'm a backup linebacker for a reason, baby. Fair point. Fair Can't point. That one. But, like I said, Lindsey on the offensive side, Jeremiah Wotokormo on the defensive side. Um, you know, with that, that being said, it kind of sucks. We don't have a score prediction. We don't have a game prediction for you. Uh, you know, leading into the next few weeks, some of the things that we're looking to do for our listeners. So, obviously, we're going to get a game prediction out for our bowl game once that's released. Uh, we're going to be looking to land some more guests here, obviously, you know, with, without there being a game every week. We still do want to get episodes out to the listeners. So stay in tune to the ONTAP Irish account on Twitter. We'll keep you guys updated with, you know, kind of our our show schedule here for the next few weeks. Obviously, we will do a pregame schedule or a pregame um, for the bowl game and a postgame. We will do a full season recap following the bowl game, basically looking back at the best moments from the season. And then, you know, other than that, as we start to get our feet more in this media ground, it'll be a little bit easier for us to land guests. But as we get opportunities to land guests, we will do special episodes, whether it be interviews, have them on like we kind of did with Tariq, where it was a little bit of an interview and a game recap. But, you know, Ethan, I go on and on all day. I want to keep the content coming to the people. Do you have anything for our listeners? Uh, I want to shout out the men's basketball team. Huge matchup against... Um... Maryland, which would be tomorrow night, Wednesday night. So uh, if you're hearing this, it would probably be Wednesday. So tonight against Maryland, the number three big game, um, our guy Brian Mishler uh, doing a great job of covering the basketball team for Notre Dame. Um, Did some football stuff for us. Good guy. Um, He should be on the Twitter for tomorrow night. Uh, If not, Notre Dame, Maryland, big game for the Irish. Uh, Always got to support the Irish no matter what. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, with that being said, we will get back with you guys after the bowl selection show, after we find out who, you know, opponent number 13 for us is. Hopefully we get some love. 
Hopefully we get some upsets this week. But it was another quality episode of Irish on Tap brought to you by the OnTap Sportsnet. Take a look at our website. We got all sorts of content coming your way. And, you know, with that being said, I got the Irish by a million this week, even though we're playing nobody. We will get back with you guys next week as soon as possible. As soon as that bowl game announcement is made, we'll get the pregame, and then we'll just go from there. So all I've got for you guys at this point is go.